Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm happy to welcome Riley Clearly, Prevention Program Manager at the Illinois Association of Behavioral Health, to talk about the great work they're doing through their youth mental health first aid and addiction prevention programs. Riley, welcome. Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here today and to chat with you all about our programs and the excitement that we have behind our youth mental health first aid training. And I'm so excited to have you. And, you know, we here at IMHIP work closely with the team at IABH. You guys are awesome. And I think what sometimes in the world of Springfield and, you know, sort of, we sort of don't highlight the, the work that you guys are doing enough to really move the ball forward. And here at IMHIP, we are focusing on behavioral health. And how could we focus on behavioral health this quarter and not talk with IABH about the great work that you guys do? And specifically, you know, tailoring those programs to identify mental health crises in adolescents. We say this time and time again, that a, uh, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And, and that is sort of what you guys, I think, are really trying to do in both of your adolescent programs, both the, the addiction prevention and your youth mental health first aid. And so I'm so excited to chat with you guys. But let's just start with a baseline of the programs and um, how it's got its start and what you've seen through it so far. Yeah, definitely. So our mental health first aid program is um, something that is relatively new that started at IBH, but Mental Health First Aid USA is actually a program that's housed out of the National Council for Mental Well-Being. And at IBH, we have had a really strong connection to National Council for so many years. Our current CEO, as well as previous CEOs, they've always really found connection in our missions and wanting to work together to just continue to spread and do the really good work that so many people across the country continue to do. Um, and National Council actually ended up launching due to a connection that they had with Australia. So mental health first aid originated in Australia. And then in 2012 is when it came to the United States. So still relatively new, but it's been around for, for a little bit of time. Um, and it has just been flourishing here since. Um, we at IABH have myself as well as a few other staff members who have gone through some training programs to become instructors of the programs. And we just cannot talk enough about it. And clearly we love it as we continue to offer our trainings and resources all the time. So talking a little bit about mental health first aid and what the training program looks like. There's actually three different trainings that are under the mental health first aid. There's a adult mental health first aid, youth mental health first aid, as well as teen mental health first aid, which is the most relatively new out of all of those training programs. Um, and I want to just give a quick synopsis over how you determine the difference between those three programs. So when we think about adult mental health first aid, that training course is to provide other adults to attend that training as attendees or participants, however you want to call them. And they learn signs and symptoms of mental health challenges or maybe a mental health crisis in other adults. So that may be 
a neighbor seeing an elderly neighbor sh showing signs of mental health crises or maybe a mental health distress and really being able to recognize those changes in their thoughts, those actions and behaviors and figure out, I see this change, now what do I do to support this neighbor, support this other adult in my life? And that's kind of the baseline for the other programs too, except for how it's structured in the content. So when we think about youth mental health first aid, that title confuses some a little bit here and there. So we always like to always go in to describe about that program as well. So youth mental health first aid is a training for adults to learn those signs and symptoms in adolescents and specifically adolescents age 12 to 17. Um, so our youth mental health first aid program is really training those adults to see those signs in youth and adolescents and teens that they interact with on the daily. Um, and once again, it's them being able to recognize those changes in the thoughts, actions, and behaviors, and then figuring out how do I assist? How do I jump in? How can I support this young person? And then finally, that teen mental health first aid program is extremely new over the last few years. And I think that's one that we have a really soft, special, special part in our heart for because um, in 2019, IBH was actually selected as one of eight pilot sites in the United States. And we were the only one in Illinois that were selected to be part of this pilot. So what does that mean? What did that pilot of the training look like? Um, so myself and my supervisor, Ashley Webb, who's our VP of programs at IBH, were actually trained to be instructors in the teen mental health first aid program. And we were two of 20 of the first round of instructors. So we still continue to celebrate that and just absolutely are floored that we got that incredible opportunity. Um, and from there in 2019, once we got the training to be instructors, we then essentially got to pilot how this training program would work. How could we implement it? And the teen mental health first aid training program similar baseline, just like our youth and adult mental health for state training, but that is actually going in and training those teens on how to recognize signs in their peers. So, you know, we talk about in the teen mental health for state training program all the time that teens go to their friends first, they go to their peers. Um, they know that adults have knowledge, they have incredible resources, but their comfort is going to those that are closest to them, that know what they're going through, and that are maybe on a similar age range of them. So the Team Mental Health First Aid training program was created so that way we can train teens to be able to see those changes in their friends, the exact same thing, the change in thoughts, actions, and behaviors, and then what do they do? They notice that change, and then what do they do from there? Um, so... In that first year of the pilot in 2019, uh, we actually then partnered with Amos Alonzo Stag High School, which is in Palos Hills in Illinois. And we trained 600 students in one semester. So we trained their entire 10th grade class of students in team mental health first aid. And since then, they have continued every single year to come back to us and ask us to come and train their 10th grade class that new school year because they have seen so much value in bringing that content and that additional resource to their students. And essentially, they've now created this culture of we're supporting those around us. We're checking in on our peers and our friends to make sure that this is a safe environment for all those who are in this community. And, you know, I think that's a really big goal and why Mental Health for State USA has continued to expand its programming because they're trying to reach as far and wide as possible. So that way we can inform and educate these students as young as we can. So that way they can start seeing those signs and those changes. Um, 
And like I said, since then, we have just seen hundreds of youth get trained in Illinois and even more across the country. And there is now an even larger increase in adults looking to get educated as well. So our youth mental health for state sessions, we actually hold those regularly at our office and we hold them virtually, which means that it's a lot more accessible for so many adults and professionals far and wide to be able to attend them. And every single time we launch a new training date without fail, the class fills to max capacity. And then we have a wait list, which is a really awesome, awesome problem to have knowing that there are so many adults out there who want to continue their education to know what more that they can do. Um, so we just absolutely love these programs. And since the team in a Hall for State program launched nationwide for anyone to be instructor in 2021, that program has also just been flourishing as well. So we are so, so proud that we have instructors at our office for these trainings because we continue to see the value in all of them. Absolutely. And you know what? I think I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you, Riley, because so often when we talk about children and teen mental health, you know, there are all these sort of sad and scary and worrisome statistics and trends, but there's another side of that. And, and I think like you've highlighted the amount of adults who want to be trained so they can help their peers and the children and teens in their lives, teens being trained how to help their peers. I mean, this is one of those bright spots um, within this conversation. And you are really on a regular basis, just impacting lives uh, and, and making a difference. And I just, I simply love that this training is open to practically anyone. And, um, you know, I, I just think it's critical as we see more uh, prevalence of mental health. And obviously, we're our, our society and our culture, we're just so stressed. And the last few years have been so challenging. But before the pandemic, you know, we've seen an increased trend in adolescent mental health struggles. And so the idea is not only to identify it, and identify the change in your peers or in, you know, the, the teens and adolescents around you, but, but what to do and how to respond. Because I think that last piece is, is the tricky piece. And then your training helps with that because so often people want to help, but they don't know how to help. Yeah, absolutely. And a really key component of these mental health for state trainings that I didn't mention previously was critical piece is individuals learning an action plan and how to assist those around them. So in the youth and adult training program, they learn an action plan and it's called ALGI. So it is an acronym that they use to give them clues on what they should look for and kind of how to assist that young person. So ALGI stands for assess the situation, approach the young person. L means listen non-judgmentally. The G in algae is give reassurance and information. And then there's two E's. So encourage appropriate professional help and then encourage self-help. So really kind of having all those different steps in the, in the training program to give them tips on how to have that conversation. And then in those training programs, we actually go through certain scenarios so they can begin to practice and have that experiential learning to figure out how can I apply this action plan to situations and young people that I know and work with to really benefit them? And how can I use my strengths to be comfortable to have these conversations? And we talk about crisis situations in the training as well. So things like how to have a conversation if someone's 
showcasing warning signs of suicide. So we really talk about the importance of asking questions directly and trying to get to the core of what a young person is going through. But knowing that us as adults, and maybe a lot of adults that are having these conversations, may not have the clinical background. And that's why this training is so important, because it's open for anyone. You do not have to have it. And we actually talk about how this training is not to teach you to provide therapy. It's to provide you with those resources and then know what additional steps and professionals are in your community to then give that young person to the professional and say, they're really ready and they're looking for some additional support. They would be great. Hopefully you can have a good connection and kind of work with them from here. And really having those key components to test out those scenarios and get used to having conversations, utilizing the action plan has been so beneficial to a lot of the individuals that attend our trainings. I like that. And I also think it makes sense because often when an adolescent, a teen, or really even an adult, when they're struggling, you know, with mental health, typically their first, you know, signs and interactions are not going to be with a mental health professional, right? Like that tends to be a second or third step. And so you're really empowering folks around, you know, in our communities to help and, and then, you know, help them transition and seek that help at that higher you know, you know, professional level, but oftentimes that's not the first interaction um, a member, you know, or, or an individual makes. And, and to shift gears, because you guys do so much, and we know that International Overdose Awareness Day is coming up, and I think this is the other thing we find and we've really seen over the last few years is just an increase in overdoses. Can you talk, and it's just, it's, it's just heartbreaking. Um, and, and obviously there's so much of the isolation of the pandemic. I mean, there's so much at play here, but what we know without a doubt is we are losing lives and that you could, we can absolutely prevent some of this tragedy. So can you talk a little bit about your addiction prevention programs and how it works to sort of curb incidences like overdoses and other just heartbreaking tragedies? Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad that you brought this topic up. It is it is so important. And prevention is such a vital piece in working with our, our adolescents. And just like you said, too often we're hearing of young people adults, adolescents that are losing their lives to addiction. And we at IBH really try and use our work in prevention to hold hope that soon these numbers will decrease. Um, our programs are hopefully, and we try to make them be a safe place, a brave space for young people to learn about themselves in a safe environment, to further their development as a leader, but also to take away key, key components that living alcohol, tobacco, and other drug-free is a decision that they do get to make and that there are so many fun ways to enjoy your life, to make memories while staying ATOD free. And we are so proud at IBH to house three different youth prevention programs. So we have the Sabrin Goodman Teen Institute, Operation Snowball, as well as our Focus Youth Gambling Prevention, which is something new that we have instated at our office within the last two years. So just want to talk a little bit about those three programs um, here for a second to hopefully provide some additional education and knowledge and let these programs continue to spread as far and wide as possible. So uh, the Sabrin Goodman Teen Institute is our 
Teen Institute program that has been around since 1974. We are actually the longest standing teen institute in the country, and we have just grown and evolved since it's begun. Um, our teen institute has two different events. We have a summer teen institute, which is a five-day leadership conference for youth across the state of Illinois to attend the teen institute and get a lot of education and knowledge just as if us adults do when we go to a professional conference. So Teen Institute has keynote speakers, workshops where they can decide which topic they want to learn a little bit more about. They have opportunities to have service hours going and attending all of these sessions. They also have discussion groups, which that is the space made up of randomized adults um, that lead those trainings, as well as randomized youth that are attending the Teen Institute, and they spend time really delving deep and discussing what the keynote speaker has talked about, what workshop sessions they've learned about, and how that really relates to maybe what's going on back in their community. And then the final key component of the Teen Institute is what we call our action team meetings. And this is when youth that, let's say, come from a high school, there's 15 to 20 of them that attend, and they get to spend an hour each day looking through a curriculum that we've created for them. And they also compare the curriculum to the data that they're seeing in their community. And we utilize the Illinois Youth Survey data. So that way the youth can really see what are the problems that we're perceiving to be in our community. And then they pull the data aside and they say, is this actually happening? Is the data showing differently? And what can we do about that? And then from there, they really come up with an action plan and what positive change that they want to make in their community that year. So are they wanting to hold a Red Ribbon Week campaign? Do they want to hold a stomp out bullying campaign um, and really get to fine tune those, those components and make that positive change back in their communities? And a lot of our teams also really hold value in choosing to have activities and programs and campaigns that are focused on alcohol, tobacco, and other drug-free programs, which we absolutely love that so many of our youth are continuing to be those student leaders and make those positive changes and those positive decisions in their lives. Um, and oh. then the Britain Goodman Teen Institute also has a, a winter event as well, which is a six-month check-in for those students. Um, and then uh, those other two programs kind of funnel right through CGTI or the Cyprian Goodman Teen Institute, as we call it, kind of both names. Um, Operation Snowball was actually created because there were a group of students from Rockford, Illinois, who were attending the Teen Institute one summer. And they said, we love what we're doing here. We're making so much change, but we want to take it back to our community and be able to make this change year round. And that's actually how Operation Snowball Got, got its start. And that started in 1977. So knowing that our leaders continue to make the change and they're continuing to use their voices in a positive way to spread education, to spread awareness on ATOD, on mental health, on bullying, uh, on gambling, like our focus youth gambling prevention, and really continue to have the drive and passion to bring that awareness back to their communities and tell as many students in their schools as they can. Oh, Riley, I just love this. I love so much of it. I love that you're empowering leaders. You're empowering and educating the next generation. I also love, because I don't think we hear enough about this. I don't think there's enough good news in the world these days, but like, if you ever spend time with youth and adolescents and teens, oh, their optimism, their, their real tenacity. I mean, 
it gives you hope. It uplifts you. And, you know, these, these young kids, um, can do just wonderful things and do wonderful things on a regular basis. And so I think it's such a great reminder for our listeners that, you know, when you're feeling down and the news is just, I don't know, depressing as it it feels these days, knowing that our youth are actively engaging in these programs, actively trying to make their the lives better, not just for themselves, but for their peers, for their community, and that they're sort of building and, and growing that work. And they've been, you know, are now obviously the youth of, you know, the 70s are, are not kids anymore, but that there are those wonderful individuals who've been working to make the world better. Riley, you are absolutely one of them. I think this is just one of the most uplifting conversations we've had around children and adolescent behavioral health, because as much work as there is that needs to be done, there are a lot of folks stepping up to do that work. Absolutely. I can't agree with you more. We at our office love what we get to do. We love interacting with new generation of youth leaders and really hearing the change that they want to make. And then even realizing the students that do come through these programs are the ones that end up going directly into the workforce in helping professions. They're going to be a teacher, social workers. Maybe they're going into policy to make these changes because they've seen the impact that need in their community and they want to continue to make bigger impacts day to day. And it's a really awesome thing to be able to have a small part in it to know all the work and love and drive and resiliency that they have that they put into their life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Riley, this conversation has been just so enlightening, so uplifting. Thank you for the great work you do. Thank you for your time. It was just a pleasure having you on today. To learn more for our listeners about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. And don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter and subscribe to Sam Says. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the Sam and Sam Says. Thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.